Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcast. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Um, okay, so here's what happened. Last week, we had our very first Trunk or Treat event, and Susie was going to be excited to share some of the top trunks with you today, but guess where she is? She got stuck over there, so I have to do it. So um, I want to give a shout out, A, for everybody who came, everybody who did a trunk. I loved seeing your creativity, but the, the powers that be, wherever and whomever they are, they voted on the top tree, three trunks. So here they are. Give it up for Paul and Corey the Puppet Show. Come on up. We have a little gift for you. The Beauty and the Beast car, come on up. Andrew, I know you're here. Come on up. Get up here, Drew. And then um, the Haddon had an amazing Alice in Wonderland. So give it up for them. We have a little coffee and Christmas mug here for you. So here you go. Andrew, you're, you're just slacking. I'm trying to give you something. Drew, which one do you want? I feel like this. I know they weren't. Which one do you want? It's official, you're awesome, or you're my favorite? I'm oh, there you go. Well, Grandma answered that debate. Oh, my goodness. Um, it was really great. I loved seeing everybody come out. We had some new faces, and it was just a great chance for us to engage in the community. So thank you guys for doing that. I think we served about 120-some carameled apples. I know Chris was out there. Um, chopping it up. So I don't know, 150, maybe 200 people, but the bounce house and everything was going. It was fun. It was fun. Good job. So uh, today we're starting a new series, and it's called Enough is Enough. Where's Sean going with this? Is it like anger, like enough is enough, that's it. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm had it. We're not going there. It's more of a, you know what, is my best enough? Is what I can do enough? Because I feel as if, um, man, we just live in a culture that reminds us of our lack, of what we don't do, of what we don't get done. It points out all the flaws, all the blemishes, all the wrinkles, and this is a culture that highlights the, the lack in every one of us. So I think you are like me. We can fill in the blanks that, A, we're not good enough, we're not talented enough, we're not rich enough, we're not good enough to make it on the team, we're not safe enough, we're not smart enough, we're not extraordinary enough, or we're not relevant enough. <laughs> Don't you hear in the workplace, like, do more with less. Like, that is the theme of our culture. And I tell you what, it's amazing. Like, you flash back 10 years. You flash back 20 years. I felt like such the progressive dad. I was talking to Miles, and I'm like, Miles, we didn't even have apps. There was no smart. App didn't even. I'm like, geez, time out. I'm, I'm that guy now. I'm that dad. <laughs> I walked to school uphill. I was that guy. Like, oh, how did this happen? <laughs> Anyways, I'm just there. I'm just embracing it. Um, 
I wonder, has this happened to you? You wake up out of bed and you feel your body and the first thing, the first thought that pops in your head is I didn't get enough sleep. Who was that this morning? Anybody? Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, more than I thought. I didn't get enough sleep. All right? How about this? Has this ever happened? When you lay your head on the pillow, you're thinking about the day, and you says, I didn't get enough done. Isn't that wild? The first thing that we think of is that we didn't get enough of. And then we go to sleep, and I didn't get enough done. What is enough? What is enough? What is good enough? We're going to look at that. And, and during this month, we're going to talk about other different topics of, is God enough? Or is what God provides enough? But today, we're going to talk about the idea of, are you enough? Um, here's a famous passage. Uh, a famous author wrote this. And I wanted to share it with you. He said this. He says, talking about your life, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands. I wonder where this quote came from. <laughs> Do you feel like it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, like as a feature article? Or maybe it was like a key principle in a how-to self-help book. Here's how to have the best life is to just mind your own business, <laughs> to live quietly. Who in the world wrote this? It actually was the Apostle Paul. And this verse is in the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we've instructed you to do. Doesn't that seem like such a strange piece of advice? Like, even in the Christian circles, like, we're told we got to, you know, go to the ends of the world and preach the gospel, be salt and light and rah, rah. And there's a truth to that, but I wonder how it can balance out with this piece of advice that Paul tells us. It's so interesting because this is exactly opposite of American vein. Um, we're supposed to live our best life. We're supposed to function at maximum capacity. Give it all. Leave it all out on the field. Like that's the anthem that we live under. And I think there is some truth to that in balancing it, but I want to see what the Bible says. And so I want to start with Matthew. Jesus talks about the very greatest commandment, and I think there's an interesting principle that can kind of go along with this theme. If you don't know where the greatest commandment is. It's in Matthew 22, 37. Um, we will read it. It'll be up on your screen. But if you have your Bible, make sure to highlight that one. That's a really good one. So here we go. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So, according to this verse, the last part, love your neighbor as yourself. Is it okay to love yourself? It's an interesting thought. I wonder if we'd be better at loving our neighbors if we really did connect with God in a loving way, have his love 
you know, kind of filter in us that we could accept who we are and be able to love our neighbors more effectively. There is an uh, article that was from Psychology Today, the, the author Leon Seltzer. He says, given my professional role as a psycho psychologist for the past 30 plus years, <laughs> listen to this, to me it's extremely unlikely that without the ability to love oneself, a person can never be happy. To deepen your love and acceptance of another, first develop love and acceptance for yourself. I wonder if you asked yourselves, are you enough? What would your answer be? Um, I want to give a quick shout out to a book that I was reading that I kind of got some of these thoughts from. It's a book called um, The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. She got really famous doing a TED Talk. And she says that the top two human needs emotionally for people are to be loved, and number two, to be long, to have a place where you fit in and to belong. And she says, hey, look, this book is not a book of how-tos. It's not like a list of if you do this, you will stop struggling. Um, she says, <laughs> we're all smart enough to do how-tos, but if how-tos worked, we would not be the most obese culture. We would not be in debt, medicated, and addicted adults in history. If how-to worked, we would not struggle all the time with feeling like we are not enough. Here's a quote from her. It says, culture says an ordinary life is synopsis of a meaningless life. We are made to believe that we are not doing it. If we're not doing these amazing, extraordinary, huge public things, then we are not enough. That somehow leading an ordinary life, loving those around us, being in a community, and doing our best work is not good enough. That we live in this shame-based fear of being ordinary. So is there <laughs> such a thing as being good enough? If you're not the very best in your field, is that good enough? Or really does the best, is that all that matters? Because we're seeing our world with kids and this next generation, this YouTube generation, that all that matters is making others look at me. The more subscribers, the more likes, the more views you get dictates your status. And that's com <laughs> totally contrary to what Paul says in living an ordinary life, minding your own business. Like that's everything the culture doesn't have. And so I've got a couple of slides here because the idea is, is that we do really want to be loved, right? We do want to be loved and we do want to be fit in. And so it's hard to be your very best. Like there's only one person that gets to be the very best. So instead we use all this effort and energy to just try to fit in. And there's a shame-based process that goes with this. Maybe you have said some of these things or maybe you've heard some of these things. But this is the shame-based words that you get to say you need to fit in better. Stuff like, you can't wear that and go outside to the store. <laughs> oh, you're not going to do your makeup today? Hmm? Or like, you can't have company over with your house looking like this, right? Or you tell your kids like, be quiet, stop dancing. Others are looking at you. 
just sit down, sit still, right? Because you're standing out. And we use these shame-based things. So I thought it'd be fun. I've got, I found a couple memes for you. So here's the first one. Is this you, me trying to fit in, right? <laughs> it just, you, you're the wrong shape, you're the wrong color. It just seems like no matter what you do. Okay, how about this one? You know, I'm not a raccoon, but I could sure kind of blend in a little bit. Inside, I'm different. Now, this is my favorite one, but this, this would really make Susie kind of vomit in her mouth. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take that slide down, take it down. Don't, I don't want that to be in your mental picture. Ugh. You do your best, but it just doesn't work. You can't fit it all in. What do we do? Um, so here's a question for you today. Is it, um, do you find it easier to love others or to love yourself? You always kind of put yourself down saying, I don't matter, I don't fit in. And it's easier to turn your attention on loving others or serving others. It's hard because you know you, right? You see the flabby parts, you see the wrinkles, you feel the age, maybe you're retired and you're like, I used to be able to do this physically, it seems like I should be able to, but I can't now. Or you're like, why is my life not working out? Why, have I, I, why am I single? Why, why is this, you know, all these things going on, there must be something wrong with me. I, um, I think there's a couple reasons why people don't like themselves or why they feel like they don't fit in. Um, and I believe it's kind of an environmental thing. Um, as a matter of fact, could you get me that, um, that print? Yeah, give, yep, John, give it up for John. Okay, here's, here's the prop portion. This is actually quite um, appropriate because John is from Hawaii, so I... Okay, see, here we go. So this is a plumeria tree, and I actually got to like this tree in Hawaii. It's like one of my favorite trees. You can see a picture of it, but it has these most amazing, beautiful blooms, right? And they make lays from them, and the smell of this flower is amazing. Has anybody smelled one of these? It's so awesome. It's such a great tree. So anyways, I found this at like, I don't know, Sam's or Costco, so I'm like, I'm going to buy one for Susie and thinking that there's not a chance this thing is gonna survive, right? Like, it's a tropical tree, it needs moisture, it needs good drainage and heat and sun, and man, Susie, give it up for her, she is like a plant whisperer, I, is, that, is that a thing? Anyways, she did really well, and it's still growing, it's still doing so well, but it is a temperamental plant because it does need a certain environment. And so, here's why I bring this plant up, because is it possible that we live in a, in a world that has harsh environments? If I were to take this tree and I put it over here in the dark, I don't water it, it just kind of sits there, gets no attention, I kind of lock, lock it in a dark room. You guys remember that experiment with the bean plants as a kid, right? You, you put that little Dixie cup. Who here has done that science project? It's so old school. Anyways. <laughs> You realize that the environment truly does affect its health. And so this is the number one play from the devil's handbook. 
if he were to say, you're an ugly plant, it puts it in the dark, it starts to wither, and it just says, you're not green enough. You're not flowering. You're not even a plumeria plant. Prove it. There's no flowers on you. You're dying and you're decaying. You're getting worse and worse. And that environment, he just starts to shame you in that, in that place. Well, it's like we are that plant. We are that plant. We, we live in a, in a sinful world with darkness all around. And the devil uses that to shame us. I remember my, um, my Bible teacher, my professor, he was just kind of grieved. I don't know if you've ever just kind of like just grieved and kind of discouraged about life events and his family was struggling and he just prayed. He says, God, why is this world, why is living so difficult so much? Like the grind. And he felt God speak to him and says, it's because you were never designed to live in a world of sin. Sin is the problem. He never designed us to live. It's like we're a plant totally out in the wrong place. And so is it possible that the devil lures you to environments of the world and then puts shameful thoughts? And you're like, he's right. I don't fit in. I am ugly. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I don't have what it takes. But God has a different story. He has a different story. The good news is, unlike this plant, we have legs. <laughs> so we can position ourselves. See, we can walk into healthy environments. We can walk into the Bible study on Sunday or Jerome's Thursday night group or whatever, and, and we can be around other Christians that will help us. We can study the scriptures. We can come into a place like this, and no matter how hard your week is, just say, Lord, thank you, and worship and praise God. And we can sing. We can choose to put ourselves in environments that will nourish our soul. And we can choose to walk away or avoid situations and places that will drag us down. I think that's the story of, of the background behind James. James 4 says, hey, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, then you make yourself an enemy of God. See, living in the world is, can be fun. Sin can be fun for a season. But to try to maintain what the world tells you that you should have or need is very exhausting. And God says, hey, you can't yoke up to that culture. You can't yoke up to those mindsets and those thoughts and still serve me. And so it, you forfeit. It robs you of your greatest blessing and your greatest design to live in God, to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. And so <clears throat> Paul tells us in Philippians, he says, here is not only a good environment, but here's some things that you need to think of. Here's some things that you need to tell your mind, that you need to fix on your mind. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. 
great parts about the world. But a lot of TV shows probably don't fit that, <laughs> that, that mindset, right, if we're honest. <sighs> but if you feed yourself these cultural things, if you don't guard what you watch, it will affect your soul. It will. And you are called to live in freedom and to flourish. And so um, kind of my last thought of this message is really we can only do what we can do. All you can do is really all you can do. But you have to ask yourself a question, is that good enough? Is that enough? So I, I put this little piece of orange tape here. Maybe you can see it, maybe you can't in the back. But imagine me starting my day <clears throat> and I'm balancing all the plates, right? I'm, do, I'm doing all I need to for my kids. I'm doing, you know, making sure I shower and brush my teeth and do the laundry and, you know, fill up gas in my car, all this stuff and all the work and all the stuff, all this stuff that we carry, all the things that we do, right? You're probably thinking of all the stuff you have to do after church today, right? Who is? Okay, good. I, you're, you're fully focused in the message, right? Fully focused. Okay, so here's my, here's my point. I can only do my best. I can only go to this line because that's all I got. That's all the gas in my tank. Can I go past this? No, because it's all I can do. It's all I can do. When I do all I can do, I can't give myself an inch more. When your gas runs out, you can't drive two more miles. <laughs> You're out of gas. And it's not healthy to live in a place of max peak performance all the time. That's not realistic. And so the problem is, is there's people that have, say, you know what? You should be able to go more. Your capacity should be bigger. My expectation of you should be beyond this line. And the fact is, is even if I were to somehow expand my capacity, am I going to solve the world's problems? No. All I can do is all I can do. And when I get to this place, I can't go further. And I certainly can't fix that other person's expectation of me to try to have me convince them that, no, this is all I can do. It's a losing battle. When you can do all you can do, that's good enough. That's good enough. So it's okay that you can't make people like you. It's okay that if you do your best and you don't get straight A's, it's all you can do. It's okay if you live a life and doing your best to honor God and it rubs people the wrong way. That's okay. It's okay if others think your best is not good enough because it's all you can do. So here's, here's, the little, here's the little tagline. All you can do is all you can do, and that's enough because it's all you can do, right? Does God think you're enough? He does. He does. He didn't save you in order for you to transform into this superhero. He didn't save you saying, man, that person has potential. I'm going to save them because they're going to move over here. He'll save somebody 
at the last breath of their life because he says, I love you and you're enough. And then, let me, let me say this though. This isn't a cop-out just to live sloppily, right? Or to allow sin in your life. You can't just be like, well, I'm late. That's who I am. I'm always late. You know what? I'm Irish, so I have anger issues. I like to drink, and that's just who I am. But God loves us, and he saves us, and then he loves us into a place to where we can be more like a son. More like a son. He says, hey, if you're living to please me, I'm going to change your mindset. I'm going to renew your mind. The Bible says, you are a new creation in Christ. Behold, behold, wow, the old things are gone, and I create new things. Second Corinthians says that we are being transformed in the likeness of Christ. So yes, you are enough. You're enough in the beginning. You're enough through the process of working your salvation. And you're enough along the way. And thankfully, he has prepared a place to where we can really thrive in a world and in an environment without sin. In heaven, where we're created to live. But in the meantime, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. So continue to do all you can do and just be obedient because God won't require more than you can do. See, if, if I wanted to sing really well, God would have given me a different voice. <laughs> my voice doesn't sound like Michael Boulay. <laughs> Susie, wish it did. But the closest to, to Michael Boulay I could get is to drink his little fancy sparkling waters. That's it. I can't do it. You don't want to hear me sing. Like, people don't pay me to sing. And if God wanted me to fly, I could do this and like, boom, like, that would be the case. Yes, we can improve. Yes, we can get faster or be more productive. But don't let the you're not good enough get in your way of who God is and his love for you. So my question as the band comes up is this. In what ways do you feel like you're not enough? What are the areas, what are the voices that pop in your head? Maybe things that people have said, maybe rejection or shame, or maybe your past. Maybe you point to your past and you're like, you know what, I'll never be good enough. Or my time has passed. I believe if God has you here, then you are not done living out the purpose of your life. And so as we, as we stand and sing, I want you to process and I want you to think, God, I want to lay this at your feet today. Because if you say that I'm good enough, if your love sought me out, if your love compelled you to give your son to me, then that's good enough. And I want to be okay with that. Go ahead and let's go ahead and stand and sing.